Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself embark on a journey as we look at Article 9 of the Augsburg Confession on Baptism. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by my friends. Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Brian Ricky. All right, we're back, and we're going to talk about baptism. Yeah, Woo-hoo. it's just this kind of really secondary thing in the church. Yeah. Lutherans yeah, really don't right. spend a lot of time on it. It's uh, not like it's one of the six chief parts of the catechism yeah, or anything. Right. Yeah, uh, well, we are kind of getting way deep into the meat and potatoes of the Augsburg Confession here. Ooh, meat and potatoes. And, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you can't derail someone when they were never on the train to begin with. Right. We're, we're just, I guess I've yeah. never really walked in a vat yeah. of stew. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but but yeah. it would, again, and, and we say this at the start of every article, and it's important, mm-hmm. the, the, the flow of the Augsburg Confession here is why we're able to talk about what we're talking about. The, the establishment, you know, the first couple of articles mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, the, the various things we talked about there. You have the justification as the central article, Article 4, and now everything we're talking about flows out of Article 4 and first to the church, and then that was the last eight episodes we did. Yep. And then after that, you've got everything that the church does to proclaim and apply justification, so that's why, you know, we are now in Article 9. We're going to be talking about baptism and uh, probably going to be a disappointing series to a lot of people. Why is that? Because we're not going to rehash all of the yeah. baptismal things from Scripture. Sure. If you want a primer on baptism, um, I would encourage you to go back to the mm-hmm. unit on the small catechism. We did 16 episodes on baptism. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I kind of <laughs> wonder if... You know, it would be interesting to hear from our listeners too, but, you know, with baptism being such a, uh, you know, at least in our church, you know, the churches we, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but for those that are Lutheran kind of in name only where... Linos. Yeah, Linos, <laughs> hashtag Linos. Um, baptism is such a difficult topic to get through for them. And I have a hunch that maybe those episodes in our history, in our podcast history may have been listened to. By some of those people, perhaps. Yeah, it's, you know, I I hate self promotion and I hate <laughs> promoting ourselves on our own podcast too. No, but, but if you if you produce something that you, yeah. know, you believe it's solid and good, you want people to listen to it. Well, those sixteen episodes are really where we're, we address the main controversies and the main point. You know, it's uh, kind of our branch of the Lutheran Church, mm-hmm. you know, flowing out of historic Norwegian Pietism, yep. uh, has struggled with baptism in a different way than other branches because uh, the practice of... Especially infant baptism. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The practice of the state church in Norway, you know, kind of clouds everything we did in getting the the AFLC or the free, the Lutheran Free Church set up in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if the, if the state church makes everything a government job and, and kills all spiritual life, people are going to be sensitive to it. And then what we find today is that several of the churches who have come into the AFLC have come in out of the ELCA because of the abuses of the, you know, various doctrines of the ELCA. And, and one of the most frequent corruptions of the doctrine of baptism in the ELCA 
is that, well, you know, Bob hasn't darkened the door of a right. church. Once baptized, always saved. Yeah. It's kind of like an yep. eternal security yeah. view of baptism. It's, yep. it's Lutheran eternal security. It, it, baptism ends up being your golden ticket to heaven. You're mm-hmm. baptized, you're in. I've got a golden ticket. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wonder if people realize that that's kind of making it a work of man in a well, sense. Well, it's, yeah. it's making it Roman Catholic is yeah. what it's doing. Sure. And, and the, the phrase that pops up all the time in the Augsburg Confession is this phrase, ex opere operato or from the outward work and the the convention of the roman catholic church at various times and places have been simply doing the baptism is good enough right that it it doesn't matter unless so really if you follow roman catholic teaching and by proxy than ELCA teaching, yep. what we should be doing is in summertime in Minnesota, not in wintertime, but in summertime, we should stand on every street corner, crack open the fire hydrant, and, and hose everyone down while they walk by or drive by, say, I baptize you in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then they're good. You know, that that's our evangelism program, but that's not how baptism works, right. um, because it's not the work of man that does it, it's the work of God. And all Lutherans teach that unless we continue living a life of repentance grounded in the scriptures, yes. we are going to fall away from our baptismal covenant because God delivers his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, and his salvation to us by external means. Uh, and so all of that's wrapped into it. And this is a really long you know, digression no, yeah. to say those issues are uh, going to be covered in more detail in the previous series we've done on baptism. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of address them, but there's... A, as they come up. Or, yeah, as yeah, they come yeah. up. But as you hear, Brett, you're going to... Shortly, you're going to read Article 9 from the Tappert edition of the Book of Concord. Yes. Uh, and the, the doctrine of baptism from a confessional standpoint for Lutherans is uber simple. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost frustratingly simple. Uh, and yeah, so, I'm looking at it. It's like barely a paragraph. Yeah, I mean, oh, you're mm-hmm. going to read this in less than 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. But principally, there's a lot that we can build forward. And I think baptism, what they say in baptism uh, is necessarily one of the most relevant articles of confession we have for modern day. You know, at, at various times we said, well... What the Lutherans are confessing here is important. It's not necessarily a primary struggle in the church today. Uh, baptism itself might not be a primary struggle, or, although the difference between Lutherans and, and some other branches and Lino's Baptists and, yep. about infant baptism is a big issue, and we'll talk about that. Yep. But the means of grace in the way God works through his church to create and sustain faith is the controversy that baptism is propped up on. And so that's what we're going to end up talking about. Okay, cool. Well, are you ready for me to read the statement from the Augsburg Confession, Article 9, I-X, baptism? I-X, Article yep. X. <laughs> X. There's no, nothing icky. All right. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Let me read it. Here it says, on baptism, it is taught among us that baptism is necessary and that grace is offered through it. Children, too, should be baptized For in baptism they are committed to God and become acceptable to him. On this account, the Anabaptists who teach that infant baptism is not right are rejected. All right, that's the end of Article 9. It's so surprisingly short. You're waiting for, you know, one statement of explanation mm-hmm. or summary yeah, of it and they just you're looking at some of the other ones around it it you see <laughs> more content there yeah exactly so it's uh there are three assertions made in the core confession of the augsburg confession and mm-hmm. you know, the, the apology expands on it a little bit 
Uh, but but the three assertions are this: baptism is necessary for salvation. Yep. Uh, children are to be baptized. And the baptism of children is not in vain, but is necessary and effective for salvation. So you've basically got a triangle okay. with three parts. And each Ooh, one of the, is that like the Trinity? Yeah. Kind of? uh, <laughs> Trinitarian <laughs> theology. But each one of those three points is dependent on the other two points or flows from or builds up, right? Yep. So baptism is necessary for salvation. Therefore, baptiz- children are to be baptized and children are to be baptized because baptism is necessary for salvation. Mm-hmm. Right, so it, it it goes round and round on that. It, if you leave it at that, it's more or less circular reasoning. Yeah, yeah, right. But it all flows from scripture, mm-hmm. and, and so yes. where we're going to start is take a step back, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about baptism by not talking about baptism. Mm-hmm. And and this is story been, time with yeah, Jason. <laughs> well, this has been a recent kind of revelation or epiphany that I've had meditating on this. Okay. And, uh, I, I can't stop thinking about it, so I'm going to throw it out there and be savaged by whoever wants to savage me for it. But here's the thing. Every place in modern contemporary American Christianity where the church gets baptism wrong flows from the same error. And, and this is the error in my estimation, that in the American church, p- uh, assurance of salvation must come from piety, from personal piety, or there's no assurance of salvation. That, that's kind of my thesis statement. That's okay. my observation of the church. So assurance of salvation either comes from the practice of personal piety or it is completely withheld altogether. And, and I think from where I stand, considering this and in all of the background I have exposure to different denominations, that this explains why... Uh, Lutherans disagree with the vast majority of American Protestant Christians on baptism. Okay. So you're saying that like the general American evangelical Christian is basing their assurance on something that they do. Correct. Something that they they have, uh, even though, you know, as I think about your thesis statement there, you know, the well-meaning people that I know, they probably wouldn't say they're basing on themselves. Yeah, they, but, it, it might not be a conscious thing, and it might not be an intentional okay. thing, but it doesn't make it any less true. Sure. And and what what I'm not doing here... Can you give us like a little picture of that? Yeah, I'll, I'll unwind it in a second here. What, I want to make sure people don't understand. I'm not in, attacking sincerity. I'm not attacking good intentions. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not attacking personal piety. Okay? Lutherans think piety is good. We should be pious. But for, for Lutherans in a theological system, which we all have, mm-hmm. piety comes in, in an entirely different place and for an entirely different person, mm-hmm. purpose than... Hashtag vocation. vocation. That's where piety Gotta get belongs. get that out of my system. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good to demonstrate that we're not doing this in an artificial way, that it right. just comes up naturally. Uh, the rest of American Christian... Uh, Protestantism, or however you know, whatever term you, I just don't like using evangelicalism because right. it's it's been weaponized there's, now. There's baggage with that word. Um, but it piety has a different purpose. So if you take um, this thesis statement that mm-hmm. assurance of salvation comes from personal piety or not at all, any which way you look at why the church was it what it does in relation to baptism makes sense from my perspective. Okay, so. Uh, uh, the typical generic American Christian would deny that baptism saves. Why? Because 
in their mind, you need to make a decision to believe in the promises of God. Well, that confession and mm-hmm. repentance comes first before baptism. You know, that whole idea of an ordinance, you know, mm-hmm. or a symbol um, of something that's already taken place right. inwardly. And, Outward symbol of an inward reality. Yeah, exactly. So with exactly what you two just said, mm-hmm. for baptism to fit in a system of American piety, it must become something that we do. Right. It must be done in obedience. Uh, already in the generic American church, baptism is an act of personal piety. Mm-hmm. It's an act of obedience. Okay, And so... Uh, it's an entirely foreign concept, and in fact, most of the Christians who are coming out of different denominations and interacting with me as a Lutheran about the sacraments and especially about baptism, it's a foreign concept that Lutherans confess that baptism isn't something that we do out of obedience. It's something that God does for us. Yep. Right. Do you think that some of the confusion is just, you know, we have this—we're talking primarily about— the baptism of infants yeah, and that, you know, and then mm-hmm. when it comes to adults, it kind of seems like, well, then we kind of change our tune a little bit. And then we, we then allow baptism to happen in a person where faith has already taken place. And so wh- why don't you address that a little bit? Because I think that's probably a lot of the confusion because, you know, there's so many different, even Lutheran denominations and you had brought up the ELCA. And I think that most people have that view of how we think baptism is or works. Mm -hmm. And I think that there isn't really a lot of people articulating what it is that I would say a confessional Lutheran believes in baptism for infants and adults. So that's the second layer of personal piety that we get to. So the first layer is that we simply do baptism out of obedience as an ordinance from God, right? That's, that's, that's rote Baptist theology right there, right? Which is, (laughs) I I actually... I, I witnessed a baptism like that yeah. in, over the last year or so. And coming from my perspective where, you know, I view baptism as something God's doing for us, to hear them emphasize that that what this is what we're doing was so grating against... Oh, it's grating uh, and there's no hope. Yeah. There's right. no comfort. Setting themselves, possibly setting themselves up for, for being burned out uh, by trying to maintain that level of piety uh, to stay in the faith or remain in the faith. So the second layer of personal piety answers that. So for people who aren't comfortable with just, I'm doing baptism because God says it and we're, it's just going to be a thing, right? The second thing we do is we only baptize adults and we do it in connection with our personal testimony, right? And so that's where you earlier, Brett, you identified that, you know, our assurance comes from making a personal profession of faith. It's that decision. It's that commitment. Make a right? commitment, make a decision. Yeah. Yep. You know, and well, even if you want to unfairly perhaps wrap in, uh, Jesus might be your savior, but is he your Lord sort of thing? It's when that person comes to the profession of faith, then they're baptized. And so again, baptism is connected to personal piety, to something I'm doing as a response to my salvation. And so, uh, at that point in time, you ask someone who's baptized, well, how do you know you're saved? Because I've made a personal commitment to Jesus. I know I'm saved because I know I'm saved. That, that's what the confession ends up being. And, and you want to talk about circular reasoning, that ends up perpetuating itself throughout the Christian life until there's a crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, until mm. until the rug's mm. pulled out from it's under It's like you. the second soil yeah. in the parable of the sower. 
you know, were when when tested, you know, and, and yep. persecution, you know, by or through the word of God comes, they, they immediately fall away. You know, you've got that, they have no root in them, themselves. You know what yeah. I mean? It's based on something other than an objective faith in Christ Jesus and what he's done. Right. So the bigger question to ask about this, because again, we have a vested interest on this podcast and a commitment yeah. to stand for the truth yep. and not against something else. We're just, right. we're identifying... Uh, the point of disagreement here is what we're trying to do. So the the question we as Lutherans would ask is why is personal piety so important to the American church uh, as the source, the sole source of assurance of salvation? And here's my answer. And again, I think the first two, I don't think a lot of people would argue about too much, but my main answer in this is that in the end, we are all functional works righteousness Pharisees, hmm. okay? Each one of us in our sinful nature is afraid of the gospel. Yeah. Because what is the first objection to the preaching of the universal objective gospel? What's the first objection when you do that? Well, you give a false sense of assurance. False or, sense of assurance. Right. Yeah. But, but, but they, they weren't... Uh... Humbled, they, they, were, they were humbled, yeah. repentant. Yeah. Tree is owned by what, its fruit. Is it genuine? Mm-hmm. What's what's the trite term everyone throws when you objectively preach the gospel? What, two words. Well, I'm not exactly sure what you're getting yeah. at. But I'm going to let you say <laughs> cheap grace. Oh, oh yeah. sure. You always preach yeah. it. It's yeah. cheap grace. It's cheap grace. Mm-hmm. By making personal piety the source of the assurance of salvation, it allows us to continue moving the goalposts so that people don't get lazy in their faith. Hmm. Right. Hmm. And, 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 and it, it, it becomes this thing. We were, we were talking about this off the air and show prep and getting ready for the episode. Uh, but, but think of all of the popular Christian preachers and movements and fads of the last 25 to 30 years, kind of more or less, you know, our adult lifetimes, right? You yeah. know, we start purpose-driven as teenagers, life you know, and, purpose-driven yeah. life. Uh, even even the the ones that have received some sort of acceptance among mm-hmm. Lutherans for being basically good. Uh, a guy I often pick on for this is David Platt, mm-hmm. right? And, and, radical, you know, radical. It's it's that thing that you have to have this level of commitment until everyone's done that level of commitment, and now I don't want you to get lazy in your faith, so we're gonna you know, we're going to emerald, it, emerald Lagasse this and kick it up a notch, right? So, so David Platt has this book, Radical, mm-hmm. and then he talks about how a percentage of his church in Alabama had to move to the projects so that they could more effectively communicate the gospel to this group of people they were targeting. You know, that's as, that's as generic as I can make it sound. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the one hand, there's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with yep. it, but... The imp- implicit behind it, insisting that, on it. In, in, insisting on mm-hmm. it, and implicit behind that is that you're doing this as an expression of personal piety, and and so that's that's how it works itself on the practical purpose driven life works mm-hmm. exactly like this. Uh, speaking in tongues in the assemblies of God works exactly like this. Uh, if you've ever talked to a Christian who has either directly or indirectly come to you with the concept of a backsliding or a carnal Christian, 
This is what we're talking about. So could you put it this way? Could you basically say that in doing what you just described, that, that, we're, that what you just basically said is that we're making the unconditional declaration of God to us because of his efforts and Christ's efforts as righteous and making it conditional? Yes, but there's, there's, there's a, another statement you're missing in that. We're taking the unconditional gospel of God, which I believe the generic American Protestant church preaches well to the unconverted, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But we're making it conditioned on our response And the sanctification part of it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, they have the gospel. And, and I mean, some of the best evangelists the world have ever seen has been this generic American, pro, um, Billy Graham, mm-hmm. you know, this sort of thing. You, you've got the objective unadulterated gospel, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. But there, the, the condition becomes, it's up to our response to that mm. is where we mm-hmm. get our assurance. And this is the problem. So we gather all this up, and, and I realize this was a long way to yeah, go. Yeah, right. We're the, done the, with this episode soon. Yeah, <laughs> the Lutheran response to this is word and sacrament yeah. on the one end and vocation on the other end. Okay, and this is repeatedly over and over and over again ad nauseum. We have stated the two halves of the Christian life for assurance of salvation mm-hmm. and vocation. Assurance of salvation comes yeah. from outside of us. Right. Comes right. through the preaching of the gospel yep. on a regular basis. Comes through the means of grace as the word of God is applied in the external elements of the sacraments. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the articles I think is directly connected to our conversation is the article of the Augsburg Confession on Repentance. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the three elements of that. And that um, after the assurance of faith and the absolution that we receive yeah. through the forgiveness of sins, we then turn and, and, we add, and there is a response, but that response is based off the assurance of faith of Christ, the victory of Christ Jesus, and it becomes an act of worship, a response of faith motivated by love. And that the differentiation right. is subtle, but it's absolutely huge. It's, it's, a, it's a very subtle differentiation. Yep. It, it's, the, the differentiation is to do it wrong is that your Christian life is a response to the gospel. To do it right is that your Christian life is a response to your salvation. Mm-hmm. This is a distinction mm-hmm. because the first one, your Christian life as a response to the gospel is putting a condition on the gospel where your salvation is only measured by your personal piety mm-hmm. to have uh, your Christian life flowing out of the fact that you know you're saved. Mm-hmm. That's vocation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's where you take God's yep. law. That's where you take your response and you you, you place yep. it as this is for the neighbor. Yeah. This is, uh, I don't need anything. Yep. Everything I have is, in, is wrapped up for me in Christ in salvation. That allows us to suffer, that frees us to repent of our sins, hmm. and that comforts us when we have doubts. Yep. And everything going forward, the law instructs us to love our neighbor in our vocation, and, and then it, it, it all pieces together because when we fail to love our neighbor in our vocation, we don't mm-hmm. love our neighbor enough, yep. uh, we miss the mark. We repent immediately and repent, and we're assured of our salvation, we yep. hear the gospel, we're assured of our salvation, we go out and love again. Yep. And as we're loving, God is providing for our neighbor in those first article of the creed blessings, those fourth petition of the mm-hmm. Lord's prayer blessings. Good, good. Amen. 
All right. Well, is that a good place to wrap up for this episode? We'll keep our keep going on this great yeah, discussion. Well, it, our our second episode on baptism will actually be talking more yeah, about right. baptism. But I think the setup is immensely yeah. important because you can't talk about what the Lutherans are confessing here in good. Article Nine without that kind of a setup. Right. Yep. And I would encourage you, listener. If you have questions or even just a little pushback, yeah. you know, we love to dialogue, even if it's in our own church body or, or outside of that. Um, yeah, I want to yeah. make it very clear. What I've tried to do here is to explain and not attack. Right. To evaluate and not accuse. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to and, hear if people say, yeah, I think you're, what you're saying is accurate. And, 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 and if you think it needs to be more nuanced, write us. If you, you know, all these things, uh, we're not afraid to receive criticism because oftentimes mm-hmm. the criticism we receive is right and we need yep. to say, yeah, I could have said that better. Yep. So yep. please, you know, head to beinglutheran.com, find our email contact sheet on the website and shoot us a message. Uh, we'd be more than happy to interact and respond. Good. All right. Well, Matthew 28 is probably a good verse to read, uh, beginning in verse 18. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next week as we continue our discussion on Article 9 of the Augsburg Confession. God bless you and have a great week.